Welcome to Finding Our Way. So we promised this season that we would occasionally dip in here to do some solo episodes, episodes where I or we reflect on things that are happening in our lives, in the world, things that we're thinking about. And we wanted to bring one of those episodes to you. And hopefully it's a place of pause. There's been a lot of juicy learning uh, so far this season. And this can be a space of kind of pause and reflection. What has been working on you, through you, just in the episodes and the conversations we've had so far. I think I said it on the top of the season in the intro episode that we saw this season as more of a challenging season, that we were working in our shadows a bit, that that felt like the theme of things, at least what we're kind of considering and pondering together. You know, when we started this podcast, I think we've mentioned this before, but the premise was we're trying to find our way in these uncertain times, in these times of so much rupture and upheaval and uprising. In one of our episodes this season, Bayo Kamalafe mentioned Staying with the Trouble, a book by Donna Haraway that's a really powerful book about how we might orient, be, live in this time of so much change and unknown. And I think that's so much of what's at the center for us, that it's not just about how do we get to the other side of things, but what does this change and upheaval reveal to us about who we are? reveal to us about who we want to be and how we want to live these lives. A lot of what I've been talking with people about is that our compulsion or desire to return to some kind of normal makes sense, and yet there is an opportunity to stay with this trouble in a way that will grow us, mature us, develop us as a society and as a species, I think. I've been saying a lot lately that this is a time of disruption. And can we accept that? That we have constructed reality or understood reality in a certain set of ways, and we're coming to see the cracks and the fissures in those understandings. And in that, we're faced with some very material decisions to make and some very existential questions. So I do this training a lot around trust trust inside of organizations, trust in relationships. And I frame this training in the understanding that in this moment, a lot of us are seeing the institutions that we have been told to trust or that we have decided to trust in, we're watching them crumble and break apart. We're watching them betray us and other people. Where we have extended our trust is proving untrustworthy. For so many people, I think, who are unused to experiencing this level of breaks in trust, I think it's really unmooring. So if we've trusted in institutions for so long and we see those relationships breaking down, we could decide that trust is no longer worthwhile, that everything then is suspicious, because what we have invested so much of our trust in is no longer trustworthy. What is the usefulness of trust in the end. And I think we see that happening kind of in every political leaning in this moment. In every geographic location, there's this erosion of trust that is attempting to erode the concept of trust, erode our practice of trust. But I think this is actually an opportunity to heal the ways that we trust. So to not 
overextend or overoffer trust to the places and people and institutions that don't deserve that trust or take that trust seriously. It's also not a time to withhold trust from those that are deserving, committed. So I think we actually have an opportunity here to heal our relationship to trust, to heal our tendencies to overextend trust where it isn't deserved or warranted, to heal the places where we might withhold trust to where it's worthwhile, where people are committed, where there's something being built with us in mind. This moment doesn't have to have us do away with trust. It could have us become more skillful, more choiceful in who we trust in and how we trust, who we invest in and how we invest in them. We can eradicate those relationships of forced trust or inherited trust to kind of choose what it is that we build up in this moment. That's just an example of how I think this moment of disorganization, of discomfort, of breakthroughs and breakdowns gives us an opportunity to become more precise in our practice. This leads me to this question that I'm often holding. You'll often hear me talk about. (laughs) Like trust, what is it that we choose to embody in this time? And so many of you know me as an embodiment practitioner, somatics teacher. That work is so important to me because it has us look at what have I inherited in my habits, in my routines, my rituals, in my expression? What have I inherited and from whom? What does it uphold? What is the meaning embedded in it? And how do I let myself change on the deepest level, on the level of tissues, on the level of cells, on the level of fascia, to actually live out and be who it is that I want to be in this life more and more and more? I'm not proposing a kind of born-again stance where one day you're going to be different, that we can be delivered from all the kind of habits that we've become embodied in. But I am saying we can become aware of how we are situated in this web of relationship, this web of power, and we can make choices from there, and we can choose what it is that we want to practice into. So all the things that each of us are embodied in, all the things that we might unconsciously uphold, it took practice to get there. We were taught. We took things on and we practiced them. We may not have been aware that we were practicing them, but we may have looked around at the people in our home or the people in our communities or the people in our churches, and we took on their embodiment and we took on the meaning of that embodiment and we recreated the world that they were upholding. It took practice. And so now the question is, what do we choose to embody in this moment? And what are you willing to practice to get there? So in this way, there are a lot of things that I've been reflecting on or practicing with in my own life. Is If I were to choose in some direction how I want to be, what are the things that I want to strengthen in my own practice? And one that I'm really in, I think we've, we've visited on this podcast in a, in a number of episodes, is this idea of interdependence. And it's funny how something can just be true, but you cannot actually be practiced in realizing it, acknowledging it, strengthening it. But I wrote a piece called Contagion Connection and consent last year that was about how this moment of COVID revealed how deeply intertwined we are. And this was at the the start of the pandemic where 
it was clear that something could be happening in a place really far away, but move so swiftly to our own homes because we are deeply intertwined, interconnected in interwoven relationships with one another. The separations that we imagine are just that, our imagination. So if we can, through this moment, see the way that pathogen can be spread, this is evidence of how our actions and behaviors can be as equally spread, have as much reach. The things that we say, do, the structures that we build can ripple out, impacting lives all around us. So if we know that we're connected, interdependence, that value of interdependence, is how we come to value that connection and be intentional inside of that connection too, to create abundance in the collective space, abundance between each other through our practices of generosity, of care, of receiving support. That's a big one that we often overlook that interdependence also means that we have to practice being supported by those around us. That's a big one for me. How do I surrender into the care? And how do we bring these things from the kind of big idea realm? Interdependence, it sounds nice. We can talk about it. We can write essays about it. But what does it mean in your life? Where is it that you could practice generosity? Small things. This year, I have a commitment around spontaneously giving gifts to people I love. Being thoughtful about I've been a notorious, I'm just going to say this, someone, people may not agree, but I, I just haven't really respected my own gift-giving skills, I'm going to be honest about that. And this year I was like, you know what, I want people to know, maybe not just through my gifts, but through my gifts, I want them to be like, oh, this came right on time. You thought about this in advance, you care about me. I wanted to strengthen that component of interdependence. I've also talked in this podcast about being in relationship with my neighbors, of exchanging eggs of sharing garden tools. Just this last weekend, we needed a break to go out of town and our neighbors, basically our dogs run across the street and hang out with each other all the time. So they cared for all of our dogs together. It's that kind of interdependence. We belong to a web of relationship. You know, when I was coming up, my grandmother would say, don't block my blessing. Let me give to you because there's something in that for me too. So a reflection for me, for us, that I want to offer is how do we actually embody a kind of interdependence that breaks us out of the way isolation has shaped our lives, the way it has shaped our society, the way it relates to scarcity, the way that it relates to oppression and these concepts of success and achievement that often leave us burnt out and disconnected? Where could we strengthen our interdependence, so that more of our lives become sustainable. Honestly, I could talk about all of these for days, but I won't. But the other thing that I've been thinking about, and so many people have been thinking about too, and we've been thinking about together, is how does accountability become more embodied? I could really do a whole episode, and maybe I will, on accountability, on transformative justice, on these ideas that are entering into a more mainstream conversation that many of us have been thinking about for a long time, what we're realizing is how challenging they are to embody, given how we've all embodied, as you might have heard me talk about, these concepts of innocence and guilt, 
blame and shame. These uh, emotional frameworks that lend themselves so well to individualism and oppression, all these things. How do we actually embody accountability? I think we have to start with knowing that it's really hard. It's hard in our context to do. I don't think it's hard necessarily always or will always be hard, but I think given what we are embodied in, it's a really scary thing. And I will just say, I think a lot of us think about accountability in this moment as what are we going to do when something bad happens? What are we going to do when somebody did something wrong? That's when we start thinking about accountability. As opposed to accountability is a way that we live in relationship to one another. That's actually a component of the everyday, that we are in the kind of relationship with ourselves first, where we know that we are changing, that we are growing, that we are making mistakes, and we live inside of communities that have that same knowledge. I think that begins to have it be so that accountability doesn't become an event, but is a daily practice of, oh, I could have done this differently. Oh, I, this actually isn't in alignment with my values. Or I see you doing something that's not in alignment with who you are. Years ago, I had a friend who was, I won't give many details at all here, but I had a friend who was starting to spend time with someone who was just a little bit aggressive. And it hadn't escalated to a point of physical violence or a kind of escalated fear, but it was just a kind of bent towards being a little bit too much in someone's space, not listening quite enough. And my friend asked me to talk to that person because they were another queer, masculine Black person. And I had a conversation with them about boundaries and things that I had learned the hard way. I know one thing for me, like how I would try to find my worth in how people were attracted or not attracted to me. And so I had that kind of hard conversation with them. And it felt really scary and awkward to hit them up and say, hey, I want to talk to you about something. But this was prior to it needing a kind of community process. I had the sense, not only had the sense I was asked to, by a friend to intervene, to say something, to take that risk. And it ended up being a really beautiful and transformative conversation that I think changed both in all of us in the end. To me, that's part of the culture of accountability. We're able to step in earlier. We don't look away until someone is deeply hurt. That becomes a, a, an everyday practice of taking those small risks to change how we show up. This question of accountability is just such a big one, and it's a hard one. I know that I get, I get really scared around it because you don't want to be thrown away. You don't want to feel abandoned by your community. You want to stay in connection. All these things that the kind of individualistic culture that we live in, it, it makes it really scary to lose that bond. I have felt it many times, many, many, many times. And these foundational practices, the practices of accountability in our individual lives and in our real communities, our families, help support 
a larger culture of accountability, which for me lays the groundwork for transformative justice, for these big visions we see for how we could be addressing harm and violence in our community. So when I'm thinking these days about what it is that we could be practicing, what it is that we could be embodying, I'm looking to so many teachers in the disability justice movement, so many folks that have been doing work around transformative justice and abolition that are breaking down the ways that interdependence and accountability transform us and our relationships. So my invitation for you, I'm just sharing this kind of from my heart because this is what I'm in reflection in so much, is what are the practices you can be in right now that support you to honor our interdependence more? What are the small and significant places where you can be practicing accountability, not as a way to respond to crisis, but as a way to build intimacy, to change and grow in your everyday life? And how do we see those connecting to reinforcing what we might build on the other side or inside this moment of disruption and change, upending, uprooting? What seeds do you plant in this moment? So thank you for being on this journey with us, this exploration with us as we find our way. I hope you enjoyed this solo episode. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest, another exciting conversation. We can't wait to be with you then. Finding Our Way is co-produced and edited by Eddie Hemphill, co-production and visual design by Devin Delania. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Finding Our Way Podcast or email us with questions, suggestions, or feedback at findingourwaypod at gmail.com. You can also help sustain the podcast by becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. You can find us on Patreon at Finding Our Way Podcast. Thank you for listening to Finding Our Way. Thank you.